folklorist and we're going to get into a little folklore that is part of this great project my family and I went to the Schomburg and they were having the black comic book festival and I ran into a brother a good brother from out here in New York City as well as I am Newton Lillivore and he has this comic book that really I mean all of them caught my eye but this one really 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 caught my eye Crescent City Monsters now before I get into it we're going to introduce the good brother because there's a lot of things to unpack in this comic book and I only have the first the, the, the first issue Okay. <laughs> Newton, what's happening, brother? Hey, Lamar. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Thank you. Uh, did, did, did I set that up correct? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> Good because so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of folklore that comes out of that region. And and me being a folklorist, this this really grabbed my attention. And me also being an African American traditional music historian and practitioner who plays the blues, this really caught my attention. And you pretty much have all the ingredients of of traditional uh, dark-hued or melanated people because, uh, I mean, oh, man, let's just get into it. Let's get into it. (laughs) You know, because our our protagonist, man, you know what? First of all, why don't you introduce the comic? I told the people the name of it, but, you know, go into the story of Crescent City Monsters, then we can unpack it. I'm just really excited right now. Yeah, yeah sure. So, uh, Crescent City Monsters, issue number one, starts off in 1963, New Orleans, and it follows our protagonist, Thomas. He's a blues musician, and he's a blues musician defeated in that supernatural New Orleans world, and someone in that world puts a bouncy on his head. And he doesn't know who or why. And while he's trying to figure that out, the monsters are fucking the monsters out. So I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's the basic plot of the story. Right. Because I don't want to give everything away either. <laughs> <laughs> but you touch on some yeah, so, great things, man. Let's, you know, we could start with the Ninth Ward, right? Because some of our peoples are not only from there, still there. We, we have a lot. And it's only a lot because Katrina tore down a house on Maurice, on St. Maurice. Okay. So, so okay. where are you from? And where are your family from? Yeah, originally I'm from uh, Port of Prince Haiti. Um, I came here when I was really young, five years old. And um, I lived in um, Brooklyn, New York City for um, my early parts of the life. Well, parts of life and then I moved around to various parts in um, uh, New York. I lived in Queens for a bit. Um, lived in Harlem, Rump Harlem. Um, but now I'm in uh, the Boogie Town Bronx. Mm. So what what made you choose New Orleans to be the focal point of this story? Well, I really, um, like I said, so I'm, I'm from Haiti, and I wanted to create a story that incorporated um, some uh, Haitian lore, right? Um, and originally the story was in my mind and I was thinking like, hey, um, I want to start in Haiti. Um, but then I realized to do the story justice, I really had to do a lot of research and put together right. Cause I, I wanted to represent my country, right? So, um, But I was really in a rush. I really wanted to get the story out there. So um, I said, you know what, let me switch to a different place. Um, and it's that's the closest place after Haiti and New Orleans. Um, you know, it's just the cultural and historical ties. So, um, that's what New Orleans is perfect. Um, and of course, New Orleans is also known for some supernatural flavor. So, that's, you know, it just seems like the perfect fit. No, I, I'd agree, considering the, it being not only a melting pot. But 
you know, Haiti and New Orleans is synonymous in so many ways, right? right. So you, you bring up the supernatural, you know, you talk about Louisiana magic. Maybe I should have played Mojo Hand by Muddy Walter. Maybe we can go out on that song because there's a lot of mojo okay. happening in this. <laughs> now, before we continue with the story of the comet, Right. Let's let's go back to your story. Now, okay. you you shared with us what the vision was for the comic. What made you want to, in the first place, create a comic book? So, um, I was I was I started reading comics when I was just maybe like ten, eleven years old. Um, so once I started reading comic books. I wanted to create comic books. So I used to sit down and draw my own superheroes and uh, make my own comic books and, and I would sell it to classmates and whatnot. So you know, it, was, it was something that, that I really loved from when I was young. But the thing is, uh, I never really uh, pursued it because at the same time, I was also into computer programming at the time. So. Mm. Um, naturally, you know, as you grow up, you know, you're growing up and you're trying to decide what you're going to do, you know, uh, computer programmers, something like that was more, um, more tangible than becoming a comic book creator, you know, like, I didn't really know what, I didn't really, in my mind, I didn't, I couldn't picture what a comic book creator was like. So, you know, I pursued that path, but, I, um, all my life. You know, I've always had these stories and kind of boom in my head. And so, um, and I've always been collecting comics, you know, off and on. And so um, one time I was on um, a platform, Kickstarter, on one of those um, crowdfunding platforms. They had a section for comic creators. And so I was like, wow, okay, cool. I'll, I'll take a look at it. And I was, I was looking through it and I, was, I realized like a lot of the people who were doing these Kickstarter projects, raising funds to uh, create their comic books for people like me. Um, they necessarily didn't do a full time, it was like a side thing, and um, they, um, it was like a hobby or side business. And I, I looked at that and I was like, you know, you know, I can kind of pursue that, that childhood dream that <laughs> you know, I had, and I can, I can do a Kickstarter too. So I just laid out a plan, um, you know, did a lot of research. I saw how other people were doing it. And then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> wow. I have to, I think I introduced you to my son briefly, but I definitely have to have him listen to this and, and, and make sure we all have a little powwow. Because he, okay. he, because he too used to, draw, he didn't draw the full comics, but he would draw characters and sell it to his classmates. And so, oh, so okay. you're kind of proof in the pudding that this is, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I, I think it, that's it, groovy. So, right. So the, there's an entrepreneurial spirit right there. I, I, I dig it. So now, okay. So you always were into comic books. Did you think to yourself in wanting to represent your heritage and your people, I, I, I want to make a comic book that, that um, platforms black people, black folklore and things of this nature? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
it, yeah, definitely for sure. Because um, when I was, it, it's funny because it, um, as I was as I was reading comic books, from believe it or not, it never really occurred to me that well, you know, there's not a lot of black people in comics when I was reading comic books. You know, it wasn't until I got a little bit older and uh, I realized like there's really not a lot of black people in comics. Um, but then, and then the, you know, then of course. They started having a lot of um, more minorities in comics recently, right? Um, but for me, that wasn't even good enough because uh, I saw some of the stuff that they were doing, and I was like, "Wow, this is whack for me, or you know, a misrepresentation of who we are." So, um, and you know, like it, to me, it came to the point where, like, I would rather not see a black person on the show or TV or the book if they, you know, looked bad or came off bad. You know what I mean? And right. I'd rather be all white children. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I dig it. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. So, but then as I was um, creating my stories, I realized um, that not only that, you know, we, we need to have um, more, to see more black people in comic books and other media platforms, but we need to be able to see them represented in the right way. And you know, and I realized too that when you're a um, storyteller, when you're telling a story, you can change the narrative of the way people view things. You know, um, so one of the things you know I was looking at was uh, the idea of voodoo. You know, voodoo really is a um, is a religion. You know, but people treat it as a as some kind of cult magic. Mm. <laughs> and you know that um. That um, and it's mostly it's only mostly in the negative light, right? But when you study the the, uh, the history of voodoo, it's not like Haitians you know, or um, even the uh, Cubans and Brazil. They, they have their own version. Um, they got that from Africa. You know? um, so so there's there's a connection to the motherland. The idea that you know you achieve that even black people the the, um, the origins of the the original religion, right? right. Um, as as something native, I don't think um, you know. I, I, I want to kind of change the narrative on that, you know, and, and other cultural things too. You know? Well, there's a lot of cultural um, nuances. Uh, in, in the comic, well, again, I only have the first issue, but from what I saw, this is this is it's packed with some good information because it's it's true to the time period. Um, I do want to mention, without giving too much away, I, I, I appreciated when you were breaking down Jonah's uh, family and, and what they were into. Uh, you mentioned. African, Native, and European, because now I'm going not because, but I'm going to ask you: Is it because that's what you found was was in that region? Well, um, the one thing that as I was um, cause I was doing a lot of research into um, you know, New Orleans and New Orleans culture, and you know, there's still a lot more that I want to um to learn. In fact, um, you know, I took a trip to New Orleans just to be researching the book, but that was too short. I, I need to go back and, and see it and feel, feel it, you know what I mean? Yes, um, I do. There's only so much you can research online, but while I was doing my research from when I was there, 
one of the things that really attracted me was the, like, the idea of the Creole culture. Um, the fact that you have um, a culture that um, is a mixture of things, you know. Um, so, like a mixture of Native American, African, and European is kind of mixed up together. You have this unique, unique uh, culture that you don't have anywhere else. Um, you know, as a New Yorker, you know, anytime I travel to other cities, you'll hear like, oh, yeah, this city is unique. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know typical, <laughs> it was big headed in New Yorker, you're like, nah, we got that. Right, nah, right. We got that. But, you know, when I go to New Orleans, I'm like, man, we ain't got nothing <laughs> like this in New York. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, um, I like that culture and, you know, and I like that the idea that that Creole culture thing. So I'm wanting to incorporate it because um, it just seems like in, in writing a story, you have so many possibilities. Um, and this, the, the idea of even, even that necessarily just uh, the Creole culture, like for example, you have um, the, the Indian chief who, um, from New Orleans, right? They, right. Um, they, the, the guards and the outfits that they wear is really interesting. You know, they they adapted that from the Native Americans. So it's like an option of culture mixing it up together. I just, I, I love that. I just love that. It's just like... No, it, 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 it is. You know, and, and I wanted to ask you about that. This is a good segue because the name of the, the band name, I was wondering if that was a reference to the Mardi Gras Black Indians. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is, um, that's a good chat, yeah. I like, uh, in the book, I like to put a lot of, like, there's a lot of little things in there that, you know, unless you know about it, you, you'll just go over your head. Um, but yeah, that's one of them, too. <laughs> that's one of the, that's, that's definitely, um, a little nod to them. Yeah, I got really excited when I read that for several reasons. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those little gems in there. Like, you you speak about, the great migration without preaching and speaking about the great migration and, and in it, you gave something that I really appreciated, you know, the, the, the fact that there was a, a disconnect and a separate, a separation between class and those who left 20, 40, 60 years prior to the period of issue one, they wanted nothing to do with what they call backwoods South and, and without, right. right. And without even, um, making it such a big issue, you encap, you, you encapsulated that entire societal mindset in one line. I thought that was brilliant actually. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it comes to, it comes with a lot of research. Um, and so like I try to, uh, I do, you know, a lot of reading, so I can, from what I, you know, know and from the research that I do, I try to, like, figure out, okay, you know, if the character was in this time, how does this person, I guess, it, so I know you're making references to the girlfriend Charlotte, right? Correct. Who, um, who's in, who was from Chicago, but she goes with her family in New Orleans, um, and that's a common thing. Even here in New York, once in a while, um, you know, you hear somebody, um, one of my friends, you know, for the summer, they go down south 
to spend some time with family. Um, but yeah, I wanted to put things in there like that. Things are familiar to um, people. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that, that you cat, you're catching me and things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, because to your point, that that was my childhood. That was my siblings' childhood. That was my parents. When after they moved from, you know, uh, my, my 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 pops was born in New Orleans, but so when they moved up here, he was down there every, every Mardi Gras. We used to go to Mardi Gras all the time, you know. So it's, I, I I get it. It's 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 just I mean it's it's incredibly authentic. You know, and and what, and I have to ask this, it may be like, you know, why would you even ask me this? But I have to, for the audience sake, what um, inspired you to add the flavor of him being a blues musician and having a blues band, which is actually set up? like a Chicago blues band of that era. That was very dope, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was first, you know, um, I have to say, I, I'm not, I, I love music, but I'm not like a music person. I don't know, like, instruments or <laughs> I don't know how to make music. So um, I had to kind of research, like, when I had the band, I had to research, okay, who and what kind of instruments they're going to play in the band. And then, um, originally, so, you know, this is New Orleans, and New Orleans is not jazz, right? Um, so, you know, originally I was thinking, like, okay, it's going to be a jazz band. But to be honest, um, as I was writing the story, I was like, you know, I'm more of a blues person. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really, in fact, if I wanted to write a story about a character, I wanted to say, Robin Curtin's Walking Dead. 
Mm. So most people know, you know, Walking Dead as the, the TV series, but way before the TV series, there was a comic book. Mm. And I love the comic book. And that comic book was in black and white. So, uh, and that was sort of the inspiration, one of the inspirations of me wanting to write a supernatural story. Because originally I was thinking, well, he wrote a zombie story. I think I want to write a zombie story too. Um, and it took a while to come to that decision. I was going back and forth between um, a story about Harry Tubman and um, a story about zombies. But I tried to go with a zombie. And, and it's because at that time I was still, I was still standing with the watch again. I was like, well, I want it to be black and white. Mm. And give it that that feeling. Um, but my artist, Giancarlo Bernal, um, he's from the Philippines. When I had uh, started working with him, I, I told him I wanted it to be in black and white. And I said, you know, can you um, do some kind of like grayscale? Um, when you watch, uh, when you read a typical black and white comic book, um, there are lines and there's some, uh, it's like grayscaling to it, right? Right. Um, but when he sent me back uh, his grayscale work, it was something I'd never seen before. It was amazing. Mm. Um, I was I was just blown away by the technique that he uses for for grayscale, and it fits really perfectly. So, like you know, I, I well, I can take the credit for deciding for it to be black and white. You know, I give him most of the credit for. Oh, all the credit for the feel of the book. Got gotcha. you. Artwork is just so amazing. No, the artwork is uh, uh, extra exceptional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you you get the feel. You know, I'm holding it right now, looking at it as we speak, and I mean everything from the main character who who has a hint of 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 um. Man, I can't believe I can't remember his name uh oh, jonas? Uh, yeah jonas okay. but no 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 chuck yeah. berry he he kind of has a um, I, I almost feel a little bit of chuck berry there you know the motorcycles the, the whole the, the the look of the mother you know their cabin yeah yeah, yeah. the whole thing is yeah, he, you know he, he puts a lot of details into his artwork there are times when I've seen I've seen a page that he's done or looked at it like, I don't know twenty times. And then you know I'll look at it again and there's like some little detail that I noticed that he yeah I've had it at this before. Like, mm. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this so was like, supposed was, to happen. Yeah, I guess so. It's supposed to And you know I I must say in in representing your heritage it opens up with his with Jonas's mother speaking in French I thought that was a great choice oh uh, yeah yeah so you know you know I mean, uh, so, you know I mean, and, uh, I'm not sure if it's still speaking I'm listening to podcast that's kind of going away in the culture right lost. um but you know back then definitely <laughs> Yeah, there, there was the Patois, Creole. Um, yeah. There's Geechee down there too now. <laughs> What's that? I said there's some Geechee talk down there too. Oh, 
Uh, let me. So I have to ask this: a couple of questions about the comic book. I don't want again. We don't want to give too much away, but uh, this first question I, I, I think is not giving too much away, but still, you know, keeping uh, other people wanting more. So when the symbols that comes out of Jonah's mouth for him to 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 conjure up his power. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, so it's a uh, Jonah spellcasting. So um, he's, I'm sorry, so say that again. He's a uh, spellcasting, so it's um it's actual words coming out of his mouth. But um, when for those who haven't read the comic book yet, the words that you see in the comic book are like characters that you only recognize. It's like looking characters. Um, I did that because I wanted to show that he's uh, in his first love. He, he, that's how he um, uses his powers, right? Well, that's a signal that he's doing something. He's broadcasting or using his powers, right? Um, that gives a chance to read that something's going to happen. And I, and typically in comics, like when people use their powers, they're like that throwing hands or something. Mm-hmm. Um, some something to the effect show you that the powers are being released. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really want to do that, so I wanted to take a picture of um, whatever when he spell cast, you see the results of his action. You won't see like beams coming out of his eyes, from his eyes necessarily, or like you know things like that. I mean, he has the energy thing, but he uses that as a weapon. So, um, no real like energy projection. You know, zapping people. I just wanted to kind of, it sort of kind of has a more of a, um, I don't know, like a raw feel to it. Um, so, for example, when you spell cast and he, um, the, to use the wind to um, blow his enemies away, you, you, all you see is him spell casting and his enemies. Yeah. Mm. Nothing else. You'll see, like, any, like, kind of special effects besides um, his eyes maybe glowing. And that's it. So, um, I wanted and I wanted to do that too to, to kind of show you that he's um he's speaking a language that you don't understand and, and mystery to that that magic that he, he possesses. You know what I mean? No, I do. It's almost um biblical because the Bible speaks about that um whether it's uh miraculous miracles or curses and, and, and witchcraft it comes from the mouth I thought that was very powerful now I guess my next question would be were those um, your imagination or were those real spell characters <laughs> oh so the characters um, like would, 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 would that be something that would be said to conjure up these things or that was your version your vision of how, how it would look yeah, I guess I guess that's my version of how it would look. Um, so yeah, and I had to um, I had to decide I had, I had to I did a lot of not research, but I just put for a set of characters that I could base it on because it, it, for me it was difficult to use my imagination to come up with unique characters, right? Or I should say a unique set of characters that look. Similar that you can put together, 
and um, that looked cool and ancient, and you know, um, so I had to. I scouted it, man, a lot. I looked over <laughs> a lot of ancient, um, you know, languages, main languages, right? To find you know something that was that was just the right fit. Um, in fact, if we started off at a web comic, so um, in the first page, I had um, I had someone to that language, and um, it started to There's like a, a little post in front of his house with a warning in, in the language, and I see why it's a pretty old magic language, right? Because mm. that's a magic that um, he practices, it's called Creole magic, and um, it was written in Creole magic. And the first version of the language had been this um, script, but I think it was based on. Um, uh, um, movement. Oh, I can't have a name of this. Um, it's not Polynesian, but um, somewhere else. Well, actually, right in the West area um, around the Philippines called Southeast Asia, the yeah, Southeast Asia area. So, it, it was similar to um, the Atlantic and Southeast Asia. Mm. But then, um, as I was looking at it, I, I realized it wasn't bold enough to, I don't know, there was something about it that, <laughs> that didn't really fit the story. So then, um, I found this, um, alien language. <laughs> and so I took those characters, kind of flipped them around, um, and changed them up a little bit because you can't really copy. <laughs> no, I like dig that. it. So, <laughs> I you know, dig it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so well, <clears throat> let's talk about, um, because at the you know you give a description of a couple of things at the at the at the end right you give a background a history of who some who who this one group of people are um are are these based on real folklore or are this is a a a creative group of characters that you named and came up with uh, so yeah, they were based on folklore. So the uh, so there's the grunge, right? Yes, I guess you're referring to the grunge. That's who I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, so yeah, so that that was pretty interesting because when I was doing research, I was like, okay, uh, let me see if I can find any you know monsters or folklore that's specific to New Orleans, and then I ran into this um, this uh, grunge. So there's no only legend called the Crunch. And so I read about them, and they had like every, well, like a large, not every, but a lot of um, folklore. Sometimes the origins of a particular story or um, somebody in that story, some monster or a group of people have like different origins. And one of the origins of Crunch was that they were um, people who were outcasts mm. from society. Mm-hmm. And there were um, there were uh, um, dwarves and albinos who um, formed this community because they were outcasts, and they, um, they and I think they maybe they either had made some deal with some demons or just did something bad and, and they became these monster-looking kind of uh, creatures. And when I was doing my research. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, I've been, I haven't seen, when I was online, I was like, well, I haven't seen anybody really do this stuff. Um, so I was like, I, I want to put them in my book too. <laughs> <It's definitely laughs> and 
the funny thing is when I was looking for uh, references, pictures of them, they, um, they really look more like lizard-like with the brush. Right. But I was like, well, based on the on the, on the legends, um, they certainly look like this. You know what? Um, I'm going to make my own version of the curse. <laughs> so <laughs> being the audience, um, well, they're supposed to be you know, a combination of dwarves, but um, let's make them look like that. <laughs> so that, that's how you have the current. That's um, that's how the current look in uh, my comic book series. It's way different than like you start things and then you type in all these because you not see pictures of what's in my comic book. But I decided to take that and run with it and create my own version of that. Well, you know, that's how folklore and folk tales happen. I mean, you, you really kept it uh, authentic to Nolan's folklore. You know, what about the 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 the, the Cornites version of it? Is that also part of the traditions or was that? Oh, no. That, yeah, I'm, so I made, so that part I made up because, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to set up a structure of, um, um, I wanted to kind of give a reason or show you the place that the grunge um, have in the supernatural um, world. Because the, the world I envision, uh, you know, uh, in the world of supernatural beings, of monsters, vampires, sorcerers, and witches, and whatnot, demons, all of that. Um, and, you know, I figure just like every society or every, you know, um, group of people, it's sort of a hierarchy of people, right? Mm -hmm. So the grunts are really like at the bottom of the, that, right? Um, their purpose is, and I, I decided to do it this on, on, on purpose to kind of give them like the, um, their reason for being is like, well, this is, this is, um, this is people that oh, this, this is a couple of people that we have to put up with right. you know they're not necessarily evil but you know um, and they don't get much respect so um, their thing is that uh, in New Orleans uh, because it, it's one of those places that that, that holds a lot of natural power um, there's a build up of like magical energy and um, these things called cornites they used to like blowing worms come in and, and inspect the place you know they, they're like Absolutely, and um, they interfere with the magic of the uh, the supernatural of New Orleans. But it turns out that the grunts feed on these cornites, and basically, um, they they serve their purpose is that they eat the cornites that help um, um get they, so they get rid of these pests, right? Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, um. The supernatural, you know, that's that's all they see um, the grunts good at, right? Like, well, no, you know, they're the ones who eat these nasty pests that get in our way, right? <laughs> so they really have like they get no respect, um, and so that I wanted to kind of set that up as to um, some of the motivation as to why the grunts do what they do and why they behave in such a way, and why you know there's friction between them. In the rest of the supernatural world, even though they're supernatural too, you know, they're considered, you know, sort of, you know, quote unquote, low class supernatural. So I wanted to kind of, you know, make a little bit statement from that. No, I dig it. Um, I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. So let, let me ask you this. 
in your research, you know, did you find um, things from that era or that year, the year that uh, issue one is, is, is based around 63? Did you find things happening that are still happening to the natives today? Um, happening to who? The natives, black folk. Black folk. Um, you mean New Orleans or just in general? Well, both. You know, because there was a scene in the comic and it was like, you know, that just happened yesterday. But at the same token, that was happening in 1963. You, do you understand what I'm saying? So, with, with yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because that's that's one of the reasons um, I had it set in 1963 because um, I wanted to show like, well, you know, there's a lot of things that changed at the same time. There's a lot of things that didn't. Um, and originally, the story really wasn't going to start from issue number one, like the, the comic came in 1963. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was I'm up to three issues now. Originally, when I started the story, um, the story was going to start where issue two begins. Okay. It's pretty much in present, day, um, present time now. But when I thought about it, I realized, like, well, I really need uh, the readers to connect to this character to see where he's coming from. So uh, I, I need to um, make sure that uh, I show his family and his origins. But you know what? I'm going to mention, because um, I wanted the character to be as uncomfortable as possible when when, when he comes back. So um, why not just, just place him in time too? So he, he um, so I said, I'm going to go backwards in time. And at first I was going to go to... Um, in the 1950s, in the 1950s. But then when I was doing the research, I was like, you know, the 60s is better. So, um, because that time was crazy. It was like, when you look at that time, it, it is crazy now. Right. And when I read it, you know, I, you know, I wasn't born then, but I wasn't around it. But when I read it, I'm like, man, I was like, this is, <laughs> um, <laughs> like when you read and you do your research and you really put your heart into it, like, what black folks going through at that time, right? And you like really feel it. I'm like, man, I'm like, this is this some crazy, like, like what we go through now. Yeah, it's crazy, but to me, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it seems <laughs> like that was even crazy. Like I was, I was like, so I really wanted to kind of go back on that, and it, it just doesn't seem like I don't know that the that time period gets even enough attention. Like you can talk about about it during time, that yeah, wouldn't be enough. <laughs> no, it's true. I but mean, I considering is at the same token, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that that was my exact thought too. I was like, there are people alive now who went to all this stuff. Uh, people who are alive who, <laughs> who yeah. So you know. I only laugh because, you know, sometimes when you don't seem to forget, you know, things that, that oh, I don't want to go. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I, you know, to, to answer your question real quick, um, yeah, I got decided to make it during that time because I wanted to kind of show, like, okay, well, um, a lot of you, 
there are people who argue, well, um, things have changed. You know, those things that happen now, those are, you know, once a blue moon thing, you know. Um, but I wanted to, well, say, like, well, okay, if, if, <laughs> if I put this, if I put police brutality in here, you can't argue with that, right? You can't say, well, you know, um, the, you, there's nothing you can say to me because it's a fact that happened. Well known. <laughs> That's true. Um, and there's, um, yeah, there's nothing really to say about it. Well, nothing you can say. No, I dig but, it. But, yes, and, yeah, I wanted to, you know, it, it, was, it was like a multi purpose thing. You know, it's a character in a real uncomfortable situation. Also, to kind of show, okay, you know, it's, uh, you know, well, how much is really changed. And believe it or not, um, it depends on who reads the book and get this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let, let me also ask you because I've been reading comic books like yourself since I was a little guy, right? But, you know, and I remember um, I had got, I don't, re- I don't remember the name of the, the comic book series, but it was a new one at the time. And I might've been about 10 years old. I was really excited to read it. And my uncle, uh, the youngest from my mother's siblings, he would sometimes take them and read them first. Cause he was into comic books as well. And he wanted this particular comic book. He was like, no, no, I'm keeping this. I'm not giving it to, you know, and I thought he was trying to, you know, Debo me. But it turns yeah. out <laughs> it had curses in it. And he was like, you know, he doesn't need to be, you know, it, it didn't just have curses in it, but it was very, uh, it was a uh, risque, you know, it was X-rated, so to speak, you know, right. it was, it was above my pay grade at the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, as an adult now and, and my kids are into comic books, uh, I, I read it with that in mind, can I read this with my children? And I, I even with the tone, and when I say the tone, it, it, it being a, 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 a noir, uh, uh, almost horror style, I feel I can read this with, with my, my children. When you were putting this together, was that a thought, if it could be for kids and adults? Yeah, so, um, yeah, to be honest, it, it really, <laughs> a book for adults. Um, I didn't really, yeah. Like when I was, if you ask me, I would, I would say, say uh, you probably have to be like 16 and over. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, because, you know, there's, there's some violence there. Like, there's some violence. Um, but, you know, like, you know, they, so there's sometimes parents approach my table, yeah, you know, um, and they'll have a, like, let's say, a, a 13 or 14 year old, and they're like, well, you know, can he or she read this? Mm-hmm. And usually I tell them, like, you know, maybe not, but it depends on the child. You know, at that age, I, I would have been fine reading I would have had no ideas. I would have, you know, had the urge to go out kill everybody. <laughs> I would have been fine, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, kids are different. You know, it depends on most parents, you know, they kids, like, you know, what they got. <laughs> right. Because, um, like, you know, like, they, like, you know, like, like, age, like, 14, is kind of like that, you know, that age where you, you don't know, like some some fourteen year olds will be able to handle those things, and some won't. But you know, as a parent, you say not what your child can and can't handle. But for the most part, it was it was really made for um for adults. 
Um, and to tell you the truth, I, I kind of doubled down on the assaulting that issue go on. So um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't really made for um, the kids. But with, with that also said, um, the fact that when kids come to my table that I really don't feel comfortable selling them the books, I, I'm working on this other project uh, called Galaxy Cadet, and that's definitely age friendly. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, it's uh, three, three kids, you know, and it's an average futuristic story. Um, three kids who go traveling uh, from galaxy to galaxy, saving people. So, um, and that, that, that's definitely way more <laughs> <laughs> No, I dig it. I mean, you know, I, I, when I was six years old, I was watching Dolomite and listening to Red Fox. So I'm from a different breed, no, but I uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The Red Fox was, oh man, you got sick? Yeah. <laughs> I'd go down to the basement. Red Fox is sick with the blue of your mind. <laughs> yes, and indeed. Funny, uh, so, so I knew Red Fox from Stanford and from, that was the first time I, I was introduced to it. It wasn't until like later that I was like, oh, you did stand up comedy and I listened to stuff. I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Eddie Murphy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was serious. Yeah. I, you know, I thought, and you know, it, it was funny because I, I stumbled across it uh, in the basement in my grandmama's house. It was all my dad's records. And I stumbled across mm-hmm. it and I thought I was being slick listening to it in the basement, but I was playing it so loud when I came out the basement and went in the, um, uh, driveway, everybody outside in the house next door to ours is just looking at me. We heard you down there listening to that red fire. <laughs> and I'm dark brown, my no, face man. turned red. <laughs> but I, I got, was popular in, in what grade was that? Second or third grade? Because, you know, me and my friend, he was the only one who knew about this. So we was going into class telling these jokes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So <laughs> let me ask you what now that you, you have three issues out and you're working for the other issues to come out, what is it that you would like the uh, reading audience to take away from this? Well, um, you know, first and foremost, I'm just trying to, like you said, create an authentic story. Um, you know, that, that's really important to me. I, I want to create a story that, um, you know, I want like my 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 grandkids to look at and go, okay, wow, granddad did that. Mm. <laughs> I hear. Uh, you know, I, I want it. I want, and I want. Um, I want to create a story where, like, if you when you read it, that you that you um. You realize that you know there are things in it that that are just like deeper than you know than you realize. You know, um, I, I, you know, in the first issue, I I put a lot of research into it. Um, like for example, uh, Jonas he's playing in uh, a uh, a club called Club Desire. Right. That was a that was an actual real club in New Orleans. They they had to be closed down. Um, and you know, um, you had a lot of famous people playing there, Ray Charles. Oh wow! You know, so um, yeah, so 
Um, and you know, my character makes reference to you know, like, I don't have a good line here. But I don't say Ray Charles, I say um, Ray and Fat. Right. You know, because you know, I, I want it to be like, you know, I want it to be like, okay, if you know who I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about, Ray Charles. That's that, right. I don't know, you know, so, but, so um, and I don't want to spell it out to you. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to spoon food everybody. So um, I just want them to kind of you know, read the book and um, really take a, a, a good look at, you know, what's going on. And I just want to reach out to people and, like, in a way that, like, like, you, like yourself, like, I can tell when you read the book that there's a lot of things you caught that maybe even, like, half the people when they read the book in the, the cast. And you're into the blues, so I'm sure you caught the, um, the, 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 the Ray and Sats reference. Everything. So there's a lot of little things I put in there that um that you know that like for for people like you who when you read it you're like, Oh, like you know, and you see the story for what it is. Um so yeah, so that's that's what I wanted to do. And I just wanna bring just a lot more authenticity to, to the book. Like, uh, like I mentioned um, <clears throat> the Indian Chiefs before. I want to put that. I want to put them in the book as characters. You know, because um, I've, I've never seen that in a comic book. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I've never seen that in a comic book. Um, Especially and, black Indians. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, to just see the feel of New Orleans, like that in the second issue, I have these uh, two kids. Who are um, sorcerers, um, and they're you know they're um, their parents died, so they're kind of on their own and they live in the night forest. And, you know, I kind of I wanted to kind of explore. Um, so in the second issue, you know, they, they, they kind of I mean, this might be a spoiler. You haven't read the first issue, but um, for the second issue, they um, it, it fast forward to uh, the year after Katrina, mm. Katrina. Hurricane, and I wanted to kind of explore like what that war was after that, you know, what they went through a year after. Because when I went there, um, like you mentioned earlier, you know, the Ninth Ward, um, you, you have said that there's, there's just a lot there. Um, and I went there, almost, I think it was almost like a year and a half ago, and um, I was surprised that there were still places that, that still, houses that still weren't rebuilt. Exactly. I'm like, this is crazy. It's like ten years. I'm like, if this was New York, <laughs> I was like, people would be like this. It's like the real estate is crazy in New York. Like, they don't really have that much. <laughs> it's like, that's right. But um, it's in like certain places where they just keep building. So when I saw all of that, they they still were like not rebuilt, and it was it was kind of it was kind of eerie because you had like houses that were rebuilt on one block, and right next to it was an empty lot or a house that, that wasn't rebuilt. So it was like a, a mixture of like different scenarios, you know, brand new houses and nice brand new cars and one place that was just so so it was like it was kind of um, kind of unusual and I was like, well how do you you know, what kind of like what what's that like, you know? And exactly. So, um I'm thinking like, well what's that like a year after? Mm. The world is just totally just you know, and it just turned upside down. 
Um, and then I wanted to kind of explore that to the kids. Um, so there's so many, so many things I, w- I wanted to do. So I'm including, you know, the, of course, it's the supernatural horror comic book, but, you know, um, I try to include, you know, some kind of like social commentary or some kind of something so you can see. No, absolutely. Or, you know, and I mean, I've I've witnessed it. And I I have to get the 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 second and third issue, definitely. But but I, I definitely can attest to the social commentary and a mix of everything, which is what makes it real. I, I really don't want to give it too much away, but I I do have to say one of the thing, one of the other things <laughs> that I was impressed about, considering folklore comes from the people as well as folk tale, and it's usually if not always based in truth, things that actually happen. Some people just have not physically experienced it, but it's been passed down, you know, so to them, to some, to those people who the stories have been passed down, but never witnessed it. It's like, okay, that's, you know, that's a good story. But so when, when you touched on, um, Charlotte saying, I never believed this was real. (laughs) I was like, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know this, this is this is it you know um it may be over uh i should know because i'm on a committee i think it's over but there's the uh zora neale hurston award you should really uh uh send to the afs um this comic book would be great in the folklore world uh, we'll speak about that off air. I'll shoot you an email and we can rap about it because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that will be highly interested in this comic book based on the story and the, the story the, the the region the things that's happening in the story is is really part of the culture of not only New Orleans but the Delta. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So tell the great people where they can uh, find the comic book and follow the journey of of the comic book. Yeah, so we're on social media at uh, Dream Theory Comics, that's D-R-E-A-M-F-U-R-Y Comics. Um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you can find us there. Um, we also have a website called DreamTheoryComics.com. Um, there you can uh, get a little information on uh, the actual comic book and myself and the artist, but it's also where you can actually purchase pictures of uh, one and two currently and some prints and t-shirts and whatnot. So definitely check that out. And uh, right now we're in the process of printing issue number three. Um, so uh, that should be out in about three to four weeks, depends on what the printer says. Groovy. So now before we go, well, let's speak about Dream Fury Comics. Is that your company? Yeah, that's my company. So when I started, I had a lot of ideas for books. Um, so what I wanted to do was to create a company that was a self-publishing company that just published my ideas. <laughs> so basically, Dream Fury Comics is a publishing brand that I used to um, create stories like Crescent City Monsters and now Galaxy Cadet. So um, the plan is to really focus mostly on my story. Um, I've had people kind of approach me and say, hey, can you help me um, produce a, a book for me? Uh, it's really time consuming. 
um, just in my own. Right. <laughs> if it was somebody else's comment for the right, you know, um, I would have to be like, in, I guess in a better position because right now, this is still my part-time job. And, um, you know, until like this is a full-time job, <laughs> I don't want to really dedicate myself to no, no, definitely. Definitely. I dig it, bro. Man, it was great. This was great. We got to get you back on, especially. Uh, I'll give it a, a couple more issues. We don't want to harass you too much, but I'm, I'm going to definitely get the next couple of issues. Yeah, yeah. So one thing about that, too, so a lot of people have uh, approached me, and a lot of people don't, you know, necessarily want to collect the floppies, so they're waiting for the train for me to actually collect the in the first few issues in one book. Um, so I'm definitely going to do that. And going forward, I'm not going to have any more floppies. So it's going to be graphic novels. That the story's going to be a bigger chunk. Yeah, so instead of, you know, um, so the 26 pages now, we have, we'll have like at least like 60 pages in the book, um, which would be about like four chapters. Um, the only thing about that is like that means less time between books. <laughs> but um, if you're a fan and you can't wait for the the work, you can check out our Patreon page. That Patreon page, uh, we, we give you an inside look at the, how the story is going and like digital content, and we get to follow the story as it goes along. So the wait for the the book won't seem that bad. Um, so you know, check out our Patreon page. That's at uh, Patreon um, slash Dream Definitely. You heard it first here. And if it wasn't first, it's going to be first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take us out. Thank you, brother, for, for taking the time. I'm going to take us out of here with some Louisiana blues from Muddy Water, which I think is, again, very appropriate for this story because Muddy coming from Mississippi, he want to go back to Louisiana for that mojo hand. And y'all be <laughs> sure to check out Dream Fury Comics and Crescent City Monsters. You heard it here. And I will also link everything that Brother Newton shared to the podcast when it's published. Keep bluesing, keep folkloring, and when you read something and you ain't sure, you better check into it.
Just how to treat your name. 